See, I don't care what's happening in society. I don't care what's happening in Washington. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't care if there's a pandemic going on. I'm still going to have joy. Amen. So what's one thing you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? Second thing, watch this. What's the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? What's the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? Because what I've, what I've discovered is that many of us in the church have stopped believing God for the big things in life. We stopped believing God for the impossibilities in life. We're only going to believe God for what we can figure out in, in, on, on pencil and paper. But the, my Bible tells me through Christ Jesus, all things are possible. Can I get a witness? So what are you are going to believe God for? What's the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? Third question you ought to ask as a way of focusing. What's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? What's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? Fourth question. Listen to this one. In which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year and what will you do about it? Listen to this again. Can y'all read that with me? If you Come on. In the audience and online, let's read together. In which spiritual discipline do you or do I most want to make progress this year and what will you do about it? Do you need to pray more? Do you study more? You need to, to get connected with the small group more? What is it and what are you going to do about it? Because a lot of people in the church do a lot of talking. And God said, it's time out for just talking. Be ye doers of the word and not what? Hearers only, deceiving your own self. Question number five you want to ask. What is the single biggest time waster in your life, social media? What is the, what, what is the, what is the single biggest time waster in your life? Watching sports all day long. And what will you do about it this year? How many of y'all are willing to admit that, that you waste a lot of time? Come on. And then here, here's, here's the audacity that we have. We'll tell God and we'll tell our pastor and we'll tell our group leader, I don't have time to connect with the discipleship training because I got too much going on. If we, if we want to just open the book on your life, there's a lot of us and all of us, here, including me, got some time wasters that we need to rid ourselves of if we're going to focus. Everybody say focus. Number six, we ought to ask ourselves this question. What is the most helpful new way you could strengthen your church? Come on, let's read that out loud on purpose together, right? What is the most helpful new way I could strengthen my church? You know, there are a lot of Christians who all they do is complain about the church. Don't get connected with the church. But what are you going to do to help strengthen your church? If your church is not where it needs to be, guess what? You're part of the problem because you're part of that church. So what are you going to do? What's the most helpful new way you could strengthen your church? New way. Number seven. Watch this. For whose salvation will you pray most fervently this year? When's the last time you prayed for somebody to get saved? When's the last time you believed God for an individual who God has placed in your heart and you, and you spend time trying to be purposeful in praying for that person's salvation? Number eight, watch this one. What's the most important way you will, by God's grace, try to make this year different from last year? What's the most important way you will, by God's grace, try to make this year different from last year? Everybody say, Focus. Look at question number nine. Watch this. What one thing could you do to improve your prayer life this year? Stay off the phone so much. 
Quit watching so much TV. Huh? What's, what one thing could you do to improve your prayer life this year? And, and number 10, last focus question. What single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in 10 years or in eternity? Because see, we spend a lot of times gathering stuff that's going to fade away and devalue. We spend a lot of time trying to, 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 to show stuff and gather material possessions. But in, in, in actuality, what would that matter 10 years from now? That car you got today, it ain't going to be as fashionable and new 10 years from now. And you probably aren't going to feel as good about it 10 years from now as you do today. All right? So, so the stuff that don't really matter, listen, we got to put that stuff aside and focus on what, what, what will matter most in 10 years and what's going to matter for eternity. That's what we got to do. So those are some focus questions. Everybody say focus. So go back to James chapter 3 because we've been talking about the wall. We're talking about the stage of the faith. This is the part of our emotionally healthy spirituality study that we've been doing church wide. And guys, we, we got one more, well, one, one more week of lesson and we got a wrap up session, I believe, that the following week. But man, this emotionally healthy spirituality study has really, amen, helped take the lid off of that stuff that's beneath the surface. And this next one that we're going to do starting in March, it's going to be emotionally healthy relationships. How do you and I do relationships better. Family relationships. Em- employee, employer relationships. Church member relationships. Our relationship with God. How do we, how, how do we do that well? Because most Christians don't do relationships very well. I told you before, we, we, we did a, a part of 12, 12 part series on me and my dysfunctional family. How many of y'all are willing to admit that your family has a level of dysfunctionality? All of us do. And what God is saying, I want to get the church to the point to where we know how to do relationships right because that's why he saved us. Not just to get us to heaven, but he saved us to reach people. And if I'm uncomfortable in relationships, if I, if I, don't, if I don't study how to do relationships God's way, I'm going to find myself in a position where I'm not really advancing the kingdom principles, amen, like God wants me to. So James chapter number three, we're going to pick up in verse number 13 because we, we share some things, which as we were talking about journeying through the wall, and you all know what the wall is. The wall is that it's an event, it's a situation, it's a circumstance that turns our world upside down. It is something that comes into our life. It could be a divorce. It could be a job loss. It could be the death of a loved one. It could be cancer diagnosis. It could be church hurt. It could be betrayal. It could be a shuttered dream. It could be a wayward child. It could be a car accident. Whatever it is, that wall God uses to build our faith. He doesn't have to send it, guys, to use it. Can I get a witness? He does not have to send it to use it. And that's what God does in our life. Everything that happens in our life, everything that's a part of our journey of faith, everything that's a part of our story, God wants to use it to help somebody else. Can I get a witness? So we look at James chapter number three, and we begin our reading at verse number 13. Glory to God. James chapter three, verse number 13. Are y'all still with me today? Let's read out loud on purpose. It says what? If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. By living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Look at the next verse. Let's read together. It says what? But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and what? 
lying. There's a whole lot of lying going on nowadays, guys. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Watch this. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and they are what? Demonic. They are demonic. 16 through 18. Read. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is, it, it is also peace loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of the good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Verse 18, we'll stop there. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen. A harvest of righteousness. Now, guys, we, we, we told you that, that the book of James gives us some key application uh, concepts that could help us to, to, to walk in faith at a greater and a deeper level. Because, guys, I don't know about you. I know for myself that if I'm not careful, I'll find myself trying to figure everything out before I move with God. Anybody, anybody else at the head of Tennessee? Sometimes you know you you want to you want to get it figured out. You want to know where it's coming from, where the resources are coming from, who are the people. But when God gives you a directive, when God speaks to your heart, when God says move, then we need to start the journey and move like Abraham did. Leave your country, leave your kin, folks, and go to a place that I'm going to show you. See, God is looking for us to, to walk by faith. Remember, he said, the Bible said, I think it's Hebrews 11 and 6, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. The person who comes to God has to believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of everyone who diligently seeks him. Now, guys, I've learned in my life that, that, that when, I, when, I, when I get into that mode where I'm trying to figure it out, God has to back me up and say, listen, wait a minute. You, you didn't figure out a lot of stuff that I did in your life, but I was there for you, wasn't it? God has to talk to me like that and get me back on track because here's what I've, I've learned. I, God, God will, when he, when he discovers that he can find a man in the earth whom he can show himself strong toward, he'll show himself strong. He'll show himself strong toward that believer who's willing to trust him with all their heart, mind, and their soul. Can I get a witness? And so, so as we look at uh, the scripture text here, uh, we're going to begin to look at those things. So, so, so we gave you some key application concepts from the book of James. James is a book of practicality. The first thing we told you, we can keep joy in our hearts when trials come our way, knowing that they, that, that, that they refine our faith. Trials will refine our faith. Everybody say trials refine my faith. In other words, when I go through a trial and I go through it the right way, trusting and leaning and depending on God, that trial will refine my faith. Everything needs to be refined. Because if you're going to grow, if you're going to be successful, you got to refine some things. How many of y'all are New Orleans Saints fans? Okay, New New Orleans Saints fans. Now, now y'all are going to watch the game today probably, I'm sure. I know one person who's going to watch it. I, I, I just know one person who's going to watch it. <laughs> oh, Stafford, that was over there. But guys, I want you to notice something about Drew Brees and the Saints. You know, as Drew Brees has gotten older, he can't do the same things that he did when he was a 27-year-old quarterback. 
So he had to make some adjustments in how he plays the game. He has to refine the way he plays in order to maintain the the success he has at the ripe old age of 42. And even Tom Brady, on the side, you know, when Tom Brady was in New England, you know, New England was successful. And a lot of times when teams are successful, most people don't necessarily like the successful team. They don't care if you win one Super Bowl. But when you, when you, when you win five out, of the first, five out of seven, people start hating on you, right? Any Alabama haters in the house? Hello? Now listen, when Nick Saban was at LSU, LSU fans thought he was the greatest thing since sliced light bread. He won him a national championship. Then the Dolphins pulled him away, and then now he's at Alabama just kicking tail and taking names. Now, guys, listen, but what Nick Saban does, what Drew Brees and the Saints have done, Nick Saban refined the way Alabama plays. How many of y'all remember back in his first or second Championship. They were they were they, they, they recruited guys who, guys who were big and who could stop the run, and they, all they did was run the ball. They didn't have a quarterback who could throw it. But as the game changed, in order to remain successful, in order to recruit the right type of guys, they changed the way they did the offense. And now they're throwing the ball down the field. How many of y'all saw Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy, just tore it up? This I felt sorry for Ohio State. I really did. But they were just clearly outmatched. The guy refined. So God doesn't want us to get stagnant in our faith, Brenda. He has to refine our faith through taking us through the fire, through allowing trials to come our way. Amen. And in the midst of it, we can still maintain joy. So, again, we said that the second thing I told you was faith recognized that our temptations come not from God, but from our own inner sinful nature. Third thing we told you was faith shows itself in the avoidance of angry reactions. See, if you if you are a person who controlled by anger and you don't know how to respond properly the way the Bible says, something is wrong with your faith. Your faith is not right. If you bursting out in anger, cussing folks out, always being a mean, you better check yourself. Something's not right, right? Next one we, we said was faith shows itself. Faith, faith shows itself in being a doer of the word. Again, not just a hearer only. We got to be doers of the word. We also said faith shows itself in the avoidance of prejudice. The avoidance of prejudice and racism, amen, it shows that faith is growing, amen. The next thing we told you was the absence of, of benevolence actions reveals a dead faith. If you're not willing to do this stuff, then your faith is dead. Faith without works is what? It's what the Bible says. And then we last, on first Sunday, we talked about faith shows itself in the taming of the tongue. How we control our speech will show what, what level of maturity we are walking in in our faith walk. So, so today, we're going we're gonna to park on this one. Faith in God yields fruitful wisdom from God. It reveals, it, 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 it yields fruitful wisdom from God. Everybody say fruitful wisdom from God. Now let's get back to Look at, look at verse 13 of James chapter 3 with him one more time. It reveals fruitful wisdom from God. The text says this, if you are wise and understand God's ways, listen to what it says, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. 
Read that again. Watch this. Watch this. Look at it. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Now, guys, I don't know. Uh, at this stage in my journey of life, in my journey of faith, here's what I discovered. I don't have time to play around. And you should recognize that in the times that we're living in, you don't have time to play around. Look at what James says here, because again, this book is a, a book of doing. It says, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting in lying. Hey guys, I'm going to tell you something. We're, we're, we're living in, uh, in, in perilous times. We're living in times that the Bible actually prophetically proclaimed, even as Paul wrote to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy and talked about the, what, the, what the climate would be in the last day. Men will not endure sound doctrine. They will teach, they will heap to themselves teach, teachers having itching ears. They want, to, they want somebody to tell them what they want to hear rather than telling them what they need to hear. So we got, we got to get to the point, guys, where we, we, we get to the, back to the point to where we're allowing God's word to be the purveyor of truth in everything that we do. But now, again, you're going to prove that you're walking in wisdom by living an honorable life. If my lifestyle does not match my profession, then I'm not walking in wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. Back up to that 13th verse. Come on, let's go. Watch this, watch this. If you are wise and understand God's ways, if you're wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. 14 and 15, let's go. Watch. But if you're bitterly jealous, how many of y'all know that's jealousy in the church? How many of y'all know that people get jealous when God is using somebody else? Do y'all remember the Apostle Paul? When we studied the book of Philippians, how Paul, he was in a, he was in a jail, a Roman jail cell, and he was writing to the church at Philippi. And Paul says, I know that there are some guys who are preaching and they, and, and they're preaching now and they're glad that I'm in jail because now they get to go out and preach. And Paul says, listen, their motivation for preaching is wrong, but Paul says, I am so glad that the gospel is being preached and people are getting saved, then so, so, so be it. Let it go on and spread, even though some of those folks got to get their hearts right and they're jealous of me because all Paul did was, Paul just, Paul was kind of in your face. Paul was the type of apostle that, that, that just kind of told you frankly, amen, how things work. And so everybody didn't receive him very well, but he was in jail. And he says, even though pe people are preaching out of jealousy and, and for the wrong reason, but the gospel is being preached. And so I'm rejoicing that the gospel is being preached. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but that, that's some focus there. Isn't it? Paul says, I don't care what's happening to me, but as long as my being in bonds has furthered the spread of the gospel, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm happy. I'm enjoying myself even in jail. How many of y'all could enjoy yourself in the Lord even if you were falsely accused? How many of y'all have been falsely accused of something? Let me see your hands. Somebody, I mean, it happens. If you're in relationships long enough, 
Hear me carefully. Marital relationships, church member relationships, somebody's going to ultimately fall out with you or, or, or get crossways with you. That's why we have to learn how to be forgiving. And we have to learn how, amen, to, to still uh, let the Holy Spirit, amen, guide us and lead us when we're in relationship with other people. So you're going to, somebody's going to misunderstand you, going to misunderstand your motives. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. So many times, guys, in life, we judge people based off of what they do, and we want people to judge us based off of what our intentions were. Catch that, catch that. We judge people based off of what, what they do. But we want to be judged based off of what our intentions were. Hello? And so, guys, what I'm telling you is we got to learn how to, as believers, learn how to, to, to do relationship the right way and allow the wisdom of God to, to take over our lives. Let's keep moving. Uh, but if you're bitterly jealous and there, and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth. Don't cover up that truth with boasting and lying. If there's bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, don't cover it up. With boasting and lying. Look at the next verse. Watch this. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. So now if you find yourself being jealous of other people in ministry, and only you know that because most people won't even admit that, that they're, that they're jealous because uh, uh, Charles is being used or Sherry is being used and I didn't get picked to do that. Guys, let me tell you something. I've said before and I said again, there is enough work to be done around here for all of us to plug in, but you got to plug in and connect. Man, listen, the, our mandate as a church is to, is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to build relationship with folks so that we earn the right to speak into their lives the, about the faith that, that, that holds us, that keeps us. Amen. I'm thankful that God gave us that privilege to be ambassadors for Christ. But jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. So if you find yourself being jealous and, and, and you find yourself being selfish, in other words, if, if I don't get the accolades, if I don't get the, the opportunity, then ain't nothing good. Baby, let me tell you something. When I see God using men and women across this country, I rejoice. When, when somebody can go and, and start a ministry and start with 25 people and now it's 20,000, then I rejoice. I don't down them because they're a big church. Listen, I, there, there, there's good and bad with big and there's good and bad with small. But don't get to the point to where you as a Christian start comparing yourself with anybody else except Jesus. If you're going to compare, compare yourself to Christ. And guess what? I guarantee you, I double dog value. I, 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 I will bet everything in my life that you will never measure up because you and I never will. So that means that we always should be seeking to improve where we are in our walk with the Lord. Amen. So, so again, uh, when we look at this for jealousy and sufferings are not God's kind of wisdom, such things are earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Unspiritual and demonic. Jealousy and sufferings are not God's kind of wisdom. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. Just watch this. For wherever, wherever there is jealousy and sufferings ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now, guys, I'm, I'm going to say something. You know, this country is, is, is at a crossroads. It's at a crossroads. And I believe it's at a crossroads because... The church has not stood up to be the church that's in the Bible. 
when you go to the book of Acts and you notice the early church and how the, the, the early church had all things in common. The early church walked in unity. The early church, amen, put Christ and his, his plan, amen, they put Christ and his mission above everything else. Now, I, y'all have heard me say this before and I'll say it again. Many of our Christians have pulled away from the gospel message and have allowed the political message to dominate what we're saying. And that goes for the right and for the left. That goes for Democrats and Republicans. I don't, listen, Joe Biden ain't the savior. Donald Trump wasn't the savior. Obama wasn't the savior. Bill Clinton wasn't the savior. George W. Bush wasn't the savior. Listen, Jesus Christ alone is the one who we should honor. And until the church stops depending on politics and start depending on Jesus, we're going to find ourselves powerless. We're going to find ourselves rudderless and going to and fro. A lot of this stuff could be stopped if the church would stand up and preach truth. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it loud, out loud and on purpose. And again, this is for every this is, this is for every person who's a part of the body of Christ. You're part of a church. The, a, lot of, a lot of straightforward preaching of the gospel and telling it like it is, is not coming from our pulpit because some folks are afraid of losing power. Let me say it again. They're afraid that if I say what the Bible says in the church that, that people aren't going to like me and they're going to get rid of me. Listen, I told y'all before and I said again, I, I was working before I came here. And God gave me some skill sets that if I have to go back and do banking, I can go back and do banking. But I thank God I got a, a body of believers here who want to stand on gospel truth. You may not agree with everything I say, but if you don't agree, prove it out of the scripture. Don't give me your political persuasion. I want to know what the word of God says. And I'm going to preach the truth of God's word. And I'm going to challenge you to preach the truth of God's word. And I'm going to challenge you to change your mindset to be like Christ. It makes absolutely no sense for the church to abdicate our responsibility of being purveyors of change into this decadent culture. The church should be Set an example. But we're too busy shooting at one another. We're too busy dividing. I thank God for my brother Scott Patton, who came here and, and, and came right down the middle on last week preaching the word of God, a word of reformation, a word of correction that goes for every Christian who heard it. Black and white. Brown and purple. <laughs> if there are any purple people in the house. That's the kind of teaching that transformed lives, not placating. And I'm, I, and listen, I'm, I'm challenging the church to, to get back to the gospel and stop depending on politics to transform this country. Jesus Christ gave us his word. And if we'll do the word, if we'll stop getting into our ethnicity so much. Now, listen, listen, celebrate whatever you want to celebrate. But again, I, I, Jesus Christ came to die on the cross to bring Jew and Gentile together in the one body. That's the body of Christ Jesus. And if we'll learn how to move in unity, the church will be powerful. 
and will have transformative effect. But we can't do it trusting in who's getting elected. Vote. Be involved. Vote your conscience. Amen. But don't trust in a man except the man Jesus Christ. The Savior, the Lord, our soon coming King, the one who hung, bled, and died, amen. The one who was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose again the third day morning with all power in heaven and earth. That's who I'm going to trust. Can I get a witness? So, 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 uh, faith in God yields fruitful wisdom from God. Fruitful wisdom, when I, when I, when I say that term, fruitful, fruitful wisdom is an action oriented kind of wisdom. Everybody say action-oriented. It's an action-oriented kind of wisdom. It's a wisdom that shows itself in our deeds. Here's what I'm getting at. People talk a good game, but, but their talking is hollow. If, 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 if our wisdom, if we're wa- truly walking in wisdom, it'll be fruitful by yielding action. Corresponding action. Remember, I always tell you, faith without works is dead, and our faith should be backed up by corresponding action. Are y'all with me? It it, it doesn't. Uh, it it, uh, it fruitful wisdom doesn't have so much to do with the continual acquiring of more truth. Because again, guys, when we do our studies, we're not just doing that to gain knowledge. It's not about just how much you know. How much you know? How many? I remember there was a brother who used to challenge. He was he would go around challenging people to to see how many scriptures they could quote. And and again, we ought to memorize scripture. But it's not about do you know more scriptures by heart than I do. I won't know is the scripture in your heart, rather than you just being able to quote it. So when we, when we do these studies, whether it's, the, whether it's kingdom disciples, whether it's emotional health and spirituality, whether we're studying a book of the Bible, it's not just for us to say, oh, look at all that we know, and we're not applying any of this stuff. We were on our, on our a small uh, group uh, session this past Wednesday, and one of the brothers, I think it may have been Brother Carl Robinson, mentioned back the fact that, you know, it's, 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 it's I'm paraphrasing, it's somewhat discouraging got we, we learn all this stuff. He said, even when it comes to couples and marriage. And, and guys, we're going to get back to doing our marriage fellowship because marriages are hurting now in the church. So we're, we're, we're going to, we, we took a pause there with all this pandemic stuff, but we're going to get back into pouring into marriages because the, the, the husband-wife relationship is the foundation of the family. I know that we have single parents, but, but, I'm, but husband-wife relationship are, are the foundation. But we, we, one thing he said was, we see people who come into church, hear all this teaching, but leave and, and, and fight like cats and dogs and can't get along. And what, what I discovered is people hear word, but they don't apply word. They hear word and, and they can see it laid out in the scripture. You can exegete the text. You can give hermeneutical application and still they'll leave and still the person who you walk down the aisle with and says, uh, for richer, for poor, for better or worse, all that on down the line, and y'all can't even talk? Y'all can't even have a decent conversation without it turning into a full-blown argument of World War III proportions? And y'all say, and then you come up here saying, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will. Are you really rejoicing? 
If I followed you home, would I see rejoicing in the home? If I followed you home, would I see peace in your Christian home? It's sad because the church should be showing the world how to do this. But we're too wrapped up in our own problems and not allowing God to deal with us beneath the surface such that we are living in such a way that's not indicative of somebody who's had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, we got to get there. We have to get there. Everybody say we got to get there. Say we got to get there. So, so uh, uh, it, this fruitful wisdom doesn't have so much to do with the continual acquiring of more truth, but rather the application of truth that you already know. I want to know that you did what I already told you to do. As a believer, uh, again, one thing I told you before, one of the things I've started doing in counseling is when I'm counseling couples or whoever else, and if I give, if, 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 if the Lord gives us a set of principles and guidelines that's based on scripture and you're supposed to go apply those and you're supposed to do those, don't come back to me until you've done what you've been instructed to do. Because you're wasting time because if you just want to come and talk and, and vent, that ain't going to help you. I mean, there's a time for that. You know, maybe the first session or so to kind of get a lay of the land. But after that, if, there, if, if you were supposed to do this and you come back and you didn't do that, then what are we doing? If you come in here and learn how to treat your wife, how to treat your husband, if you come in and learn how to handle your finances and how God tells you to do uh, with your finances, what he told you, but you go out and you, you keep spending and doing like you want to do, then what good does it do? Be ye doers of the word and not what? Hearers are only doing what? Deceiving your own self. Never forget, guys, that wisdom from God is intended to be a fruit-bearing wisdom. A fruit-bearing wisdom. Wisdom is God, God's word is wisdom. I, I like what the psalmist says. I think the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word lights up the path. The word of God will tell me what to do and how to do it. But when I come and I'm being taught this stuff, I can't leave here and then just totally disregard everything that I've been taught. If the word of God is not moving you to change, something is wrong. Are y'all with me today? Everybody say something is wrong. Now, the, the, the next key application principle that we learned about faith, because if, we if we're going to journey through the wall, the wall is that, that, is that traumatic experience that upsets our life. It, it, it causes all kinds of disruption. And as we journey through the wall, God will use that wall experience to get us where we need to be. So uh, the next thing, a worldly attitude can distract you away from faith in God. Go to James chapter four, verse number one. A worldly attitude can distract you away from faith in God. A worldly attitude. Now listen, as a believer, none of us do everything right. But guess what, guys? We ought to be known as a people of faith. We should have a lifestyle that, that people can look at us and say, well, you know, nobody's perfect, but guess what? I can look at that person's lifestyle and tell that they are followers of Jesus Christ. See, some of us try to use our imperfection as an excuse to keep on sinning. And the Bible says this, in the KJV says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. If you look at that root word, that root word means whosoever is born of God does not have a practicing lifestyle of sin. In other words, just wallowing in sin in the hawk pen. Y'all know what a hawk pen looks like? 
I remember growing up uh, on Old Bellevue Road, I would go down the street to play with Brother Gary Johnson and, and Sister Gloria uh, and Sister Lynette. Mr. Charlie, she had some, a hawk pen in the back of the house. And you would go out. It, 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 anybody know what a hawk pen looks like? I've been around a hawk pen. Some of y'all from the country, come on. All y'all didn't grow up in the city. <laughs> but they had a hawk pen. And man, hogs be around there snorting around and they look like hogs love slop. And they just wallow around in the mud and, and you can throw some old bread and stuff in the trough and they just go to eating. So wallowing in the hog pen. See, some, some Christians, some professed believers have a lifestyle of wallowing in the hog pen. It's one thing for, for you to mess up and to, to fall into sin, repent, and turn away, but it's an entirely different thing if you're known for being a liar. Just lie when you just look at you. Just look, look, look you in the eye. You, there, there, you remember I told you before, there are people who are known as Warhorse liars. You know what a Warhorse lie is? They lie when they, it ain't, the truth would do good, but they'll lie. They've been lying so long, they don't even know how to tell the truth. Speak truth. So if, you, if you're known for doing certain things, you're known for being a womanizer, you're known for being a, uh, it's not a manizer, what is it? Whatever, if you're known for, for going from man to man, if you're known for, uh, uh, y- y'all know what that's called, don't you? Okay, it, it goes both ways, okay? All right, you, you can have a male and a female. All right, so, so not, but, but not, I'm talking about people in the church. I'm, listen, I'm not dealing with those outside the church. Because that's, Paul said, that's, that's not my charge. My charge as a pastor and your charge as a Christian is to judge sin in the church. Yes, the Bible does say that. First Corinthians, we studied it. Paul says, it's, it's not our job to, to, to try to get people out there to live right. It's our job to get people in here to live right. So when we see sin, we've got to call out. But if I have a practicing lifestyle of sin, then, then, then something's wrong with my faith. Watch, let's go, watch this, watch this, look at this. What is causing the quarrels? Here we go. This next one. A worldly attitude can distract you away from faith in God. Watch this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Watch this. Watch this. You, you, want what you, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Don't miss this. James is writing to the church. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to the church. Why would he say this unless some of this stuff was happening in the church? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. There it is again. But you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't. Ask God for it. You know, there are some people who say, well, the Lord knows what I need. I don't have to ask. That's a lie. The Bible says, asking it shall be given. Seeking you shall find. Knocking the door shall be opened. Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. And the other times we, we ask, but we don't have because, look at the next verse. Watch this. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. I want to ask, can I, can I ask you? Uh, uh, just a, a, a rhetorical question. Well, this is no. This is going to be an honest, straightforward question. Um, how many of y'all could stand? How many of y'all would want a million dollars dropped in your lap right now? 
Anybody, would anybody object to that? I, I, I don't know. Let me see the hands of everybody who would object to having a million dollars put in your bank account tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's a holiday. Let's say Tuesday. See, as an ex-banker, I remember all the bank holidays, so you can't do it tomorrow, okay? It's MLK Day tomorrow. All right. So, let me, so how many would object to that? Nobody would object to that, right? But what would your reason be for wanting a million dollars? You don't have to answer it out loud, but, but think about it for a second. What would you do with a million dollars? Now, remember the parable of talents. The Bible says you just gave one five, another two, and the other one one. And the Bible says he gave it to them according to their several abilities, according to their individual ability to handle it. You remember the parable? He said the one that had the five talents went out and did what? He doubled it. Doubled the Lord's money. The one that had the two talents did what? He went out and doubled it. The Lord's money. And the one that had the one talent, what did he do? Dug a hole and buried. The KJV says he hid the master's money. Talents in the KJV was not singing artistic abilities. That was talking about money. So my, my question to you is, if the Lord dropped a million dollars on you, do you have a strategy to increase that? Because God is looking for you to do something with what he puts in your hand. Hello? So what would, what would your reason be? Would it be solely to take care of your family? And God don't have a problem with us taking care of our families. But if my sole reason for wanting increase is to heap it upon myself, I would submit to you that our purpose and our motivation is wrong. And that may, that may be why you ain't, you're not getting that million dollars, right? He says, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And see, God is looking for Christians whom he can show himself strong to in the area of finance, in the area of influence, Christians who will use that platform to honor him. And if you're not going to use the platform to honor him, maybe that's why God is not allowing you to get on that platform right now. If it's all about you and building yourself up rather than building him up, maybe that's why you don't have a platform right now. Maybe that's why you don't have that what you're asking for right now. Look at the next verse. Watch this. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, look at what James says. He's talking to whom? The church. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, let's, 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 let's clarify what he's saying here now. Remember, I've always taught you all that it's part of our responsibility if we're going to influence those who are not saved, which is part of our responsibility, is we got to, you got to, be, you got to connect with people first. You got to talk to unsaved people. You can't do this, mm, you ain't saved. Mm, I know you drink, mm, I know you cuss. Well, no, that's who you want to talk to. You want to try to find somebody who's drinking and cussing. I mean, you know, if, if you're drinking and cussing, even if you're a Christian, at best, you're a baby Christian. At best. Because God's going to judge you, but all I know is a tree is known by the fruit it bears. If you got rotten fruit, then you're probably rotten. 
Hello? So let's, let's stop all this. Don't judge me. No, I mean judging you. That's, that's between you and God. But if you're in the church and you are partaking in these kind of things, decadent behavior, behavior that's unbecoming of God, then the church has a right to speak into your life. Whatever church you're a part of. Do y'all believe that? Some of y'all from Missouri, I got to show you. You from the show me state. Go, go to 1 Corinthians. Come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. I think that's where I want to go. If we can find it right quick, guys, I know it takes a little bit longer. Uh, watch what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 9. Hallelujah. Look at what the text says. Watch this. This is Paul talking to the church. Watch this, guys. When I wrote to you before, I told you (laughs) not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. That's what Paul said. Because remember, in the Corinthian church, it was in his fifth chapter, I believe it was, that the guy was sleeping with his stepmother. And the guy evidently was a guy who had means and wherewithal because nobody was saying anything about this uh, uh, incestual relationship that was going on. Everybody say in the church. Say it was happening in the church. And Paul says, this uh, folk in the world ain't doing what these folks are doing. But watch, he says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate. This is on the tail end of this, this fifth chapter. He started off by talking about that. He says, but I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Now watch what he says. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy or unbelievers who cheat people or who worship idols, unbelievers. He says, you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. How many of y'all work with unsaved folks? You, you, you know, they, they, don't, they, don't, they denounce Christ. They don't, they don't, don't, don't bring that Jesus stuff around here. Any of y'all work with unsaved people? People who have not made a profession of faith. All of us do. Guess what? God has you there for a reason. Don't quit the job. because If you quit your job, you're being super spiritual. About, I just want to be with everybody saved. You ain't going to be working nowhere. Hello? And if you go to a place where people are supposed to be saved, like in a church or a Christian school, you still got some mess there. So, I, so quit leaving these jobs thinking that the problem is everybody else. Learn how to deal with people. Learn how to deal with messy people so that God can use you to help change messy people. Quit running. Grow. Hello? Watch this. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You have to leave this world to avoid people like that. But look at what he says. Watch this. I meant, everybody say he meant it. Come on, say he meant it. He says, I meant that you are not to associate. Listen to what Paul tells the Corinthian church, who was the Corinthian church was a watch in, in, in sexual immorality. It was a watch in, 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 in immaturity amongst the saints, gossip, envy, jealousy permeating throughout the congregation. And he says, I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. Notice what Paul says, claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin. To, to, to me, indulge me, not that you got caught up. Because how many of y'all ever got caught up?
How many of you got caught up? You went on a date. You said ain't nothing going to happen. I'm going to keep him on that side and I'm going to stay on this side. But all of a sudden they popped in Luther Vandross. See, some of you old school folks know what I'm talking about, don't you? A house is not a home. Huh? Come on. Are you threw in some music that change your mind. Y'all know music has a way of transforming your thinking, doesn't it? Huh? Music can come on and then all of a sudden Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. <laughs> ah, babe! Let's get it on. Marvin said, don't stop this feeling. <laughs> and some of y'all had a feeling, didn't you? Now you say you accepted Christ, got baptized, singing in the choir, but you got caught up. Now listen, he's not talking about somebody that got caught up. Oh well, I'm sorry, Marshall. He's talking about somebody. Come on, who just 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 you you don't think nothing of you just keep indulging. You ain't trying to fight it off. You're not putting up any boundaries. You open the doorway. Come on in. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or is a worship idol or is abusive. Here you are, uh, 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 serving on the deacon board, preaching in the pulpit, and cussing and verbally abusing your spouse or your, your, your husband or wife. Teaching Sunday school, teaching the truth of God's word, but you go home and, 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 and you can't even... Watch this. Yet indulge in sex sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard. All you sipping saints out there. <laughs> Somebody missed a sipping saint. What's a sipping saint? <laughs> you catch it when you get home, okay? The drunkard or cheats people. You're a dishonest business person. You're a dishonest person. Cheat people. Christians shouldn't be cheating, folks. Look at what Paul said. Paul said, don't even eat with those people. He was not talking about unsaved people here. He said it in the church. So some people, you probably got to move, remove yourself from. They're singing in the choir and you know. Okay. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Watch this. It it, Paul, this is the apostle Paul said, Paul said, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. But it certainly is your responsibility, church, to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Is that what he said? It certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Next verse, watch this, watch this. Last one. God will judge those on the outside. Leave that to God. We, we spend a whole lot of time, and, I, and again, we need to be politically involved, but we spend a whole lot of time trying to change laws to, to govern the behavior of folks who are not saved. And, and, I, and listen, I, I want laws on the book who, that, that are based in Christian values, but the truth of the matter remains this. You can put a law on the book, and a sinner's going to see and still sin. And it's not the law that changes a man's heart. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that 
That, that's why, that's the way I want to change the world. Because I know that a law can't transform the community. The, but if the word of God supplanted in a person's heart can transform their life and the community that surrounds it. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scripture says, you must remove the evil person from among you. Paul was talking about church discipline here. When somebody has a habitual lifestyle and won't stop and you went to them and you talked to them and, and they continue to do that while in the pig pen. You can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. Amen. Because the church will not be strong if we allow sin to run rampant. Okay. Get back to James right quick. I got, I got to finish this. James, the fourth chapter. Watch this. Watch this. My time is about up. James chapter four. Look, look, look back down with me at, if you will. Let's start again um, at verse number four. Verse number four. He says this. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, what friend of the world means that I'm indulging in, uh, I am I'm participating in the same thing that the world participates in. So as a believer, I, I believe it's, it's, it's important for us to connect with people and, and, and befriend people who are not saved so we can get the opportunity to share our life and, and speak truth into their lives. But that don't mean that I, I do the same thing that they're doing. Are y'all with me? Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Verse 6 says what? And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. That's what he does. Come on, keep moving. Watch this. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now listen. Resisting means that I got to make an effort. I can pray, which I should do. I can ask God to be a fence all around me, but I still got to do something. Hello? I got to put up boundaries if I'm going to resist the devil. Humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and what will happen? He'll flee, but he's not going to flee if you're not resisting. Some people's phone calls, you don't need to take. If you know you're weak. You know what I'm talking about? Huh? You know you're weak. You know what happened the last time. You took the call and you met up. You know what happened the last time. Wink, wink. Don't take the call. You're not good for me. You're kind of toxic for me. I'm going to love you from over here. I'm going to pray for you, but we can't be dating. We can't date. We can't, we can't date because it, it, it just doesn't work. You know, and I know, if we get together and we by ourselves, you know, and I know what, what, what's, what's bound to happen because we don't put boundaries up very well. God is saying, humble yourselves before him, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You know, you know the reason why he's still bothering and just disrupting some of y'all's lives? Because you ain't resisting. You're not resisting. You, you're still doing life the way you've always done life. You didn't do anything different. And you think, leave me alone, devil. No, he ain't. No, he's not. He ain't going nowhere. 
But when you start resisting, when you stop listening to that gossip, that gossip will stop bringing it to you. I'll tell you all before. You start speaking truth. You heard about something? Yeah, but you know what? I tell you what you pray for, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go call that person and tell them what you just told me. Well, you know, I don't want to start. You starting something by telling me. You ain't go to them first. What stinks most, the worst, the garbage can or the garbage in it? I will submit to you both of them do. That they have equal stinkage. When the garbage man comes and gets my trash can, they're telling I have to wash it out because even after the trash is gone, the thing still stinks. Anybody else trash can stink in the house? Come on. You say sanctified people, hold it up, but your trash can stink. So if you allow people to dump garbage in you, you stink just as, as bad as the one who's bringing the garbage. Okay? So I'm just said before God, resist the devil and he'll flee from Man, I hate to stop here, but I got to stop. My time is up. And I promise you I will finish this next week.